Big news, everybody. I wore my winter coat this morning. I'm Meredith, and this is the Launch Pod for Pomona Valley Church. Yes, that's right. Meredith's winter coat got a workout this morning. We'll tell you more about that in a little bit. This is the Launch Pod for Pomona Valley Church. We are a getting started church in Southern California. We meet on Sunday afternoons for worship and a meal together. And if you're listening along today from California or anywhere else, we're so glad that you're with us. And we are in a series called Finding Your Rhythm, where we're talking about some of the practices that might help us follow Jesus into the world. For this series, as a church, when we meet, we're talking about two areas of practice, which often on the surface actually seem to be in tension with one another, but which are each really important to what our life with God looks like. And part of the reason we put those pairs together is to remind us that it's a discernment process, a question of thinking about who you are, what's going on in your life right now, what you want when it comes to connecting with God, and then from there, figuring out a practice or two maybe that could help you live more connected to Jesus in your day-to-day. So this week, we talked about the rhythm of engagement and rest, that following God means engaging in God's work in the world, and that it also means having rest as well. And so in this episode, we're going to suggest a few practices that you might try on both sides of that, on engagement and on rest. If you haven't already, you can listen to Curtis's sermon on this that helps frame out the whole topic. But in short, one of the main points he made is that our rhythm of engagement and disengagement in some ways is always about God's dream for the flourishing of us and all of the world. So with that said, Curtis, should we start with practices of engagement with the work of God in the world? Yeah, the first one is to prayerfully reimagine your day. Whatever it is you need to do day to day, your job, parenting, caretaking for a parent, the chores that have to happen so that your home works, that stuff we just got to do. We believe that that is part of the flourishing that you're creating in your life. And if it's hard to see that, this would be a practice where you would simply take some time to sit with God and say, okay, God, this is the stuff I got to do. Would you help me see it through your eyes? Would you give me a fresh perspective on how these tasks might be representative of creating good wholeness and flourishing in the sphere that I'm in? And so, for example, if you are able to work, the income that comes from that helps you flourish. And we think that is a good thing that comes from God. If you are parenting, that is God's work to show love to and care for that child. If you're a student, spending your time learning and engaging with new ideas and being part of a collaborative class that is discovering new stuff together, that's all God's work in the world. Some of these things are easier to see and some of them are not, but we believe it all counts, that it it all is examples of engaging in God's work in the world. And sometimes it's helpful to ask God to help us see that for what it really is, instead of just thinking of it as the, the drudgery that I have to do today. Okay, so that's the first one. Mara, what's next? Our next idea for a practice of engaging with God's work in the world would be to create, to create beauty. And beauty could be anything. And you might not see yourself as a creative type, but hear us out. There might be something good to taking time to make something. 
whether that's a batch of cookies, a picture. Beautiful cookies. Beautiful cookies. I think cookies are beautiful. A picture that you sketch or draw or paint. Filling up the page of a journal with the beauty of your words that are honest and what you're really thinking and feeling. Whether it's the beauty of a garden that you're creating in your house or even just creating the beauty of tidying up a messy space that's been hanging out over your head. I think tidy spaces are very beautiful myself. But we believe that the practice of creating beauty is always part of God's good work in the world. And these may or may not be things that you're going to share with others. It may just be something that you do for yourself and so that you can enjoy yourself. And it might just be just for the purpose of creating. Being able to create. Create beauty, create order out of chaos, create something when there was nothing. It's part of what it means that people are made in the image of God. And of course, the original creation narrative is a big part of where these practices stem from. It's sort of the theological foundation to these practices, that the flourishing and the loveliness of the world and mirroring that is part of what we were made to do. All right. So seeing your day through God's eyes, creating beauty. And then the third practice is to do the next right thing. And we're shamelessly ripping off this phrase. We are from a lot of people, including Emily P. Freeman, who has a podcast by the same name, who herself admits she's shamelessly ripping off a whole bunch of other people. But it's a great, helpful phrase. So for our community, we talk a lot about how we want to follow Jesus into the world together and that we want to neighbor well, do justice, and live the one another's from scripture. And so when we think about doing the next right thing, that would probably be our suggestion that you could think through, okay, God, is there a next right thing for me that would help me to live the one another's or neighbor well or do justice? And especially a thing that I do that keeps me from just valuing the stuff to actually doing the stuff. Yeah, those three pieces of living the one another's, doing justice, and neighboring well, what we were trying to get at with those things is to describe what it means to work for the flourishing of all creation, which is God's goal for us and for our lives. It also should be noted that we are going to be doing a deeper, more expansive dive into the work of justice specifically in a future week. But we do think that there's something to doing the next right thing. And this is where we get to Meredith's winter coat. Some of our friends from church have a two-year-old, and it's time for her to head to preschool. I immediately told them about our preschool for Peyton, which we love, and which we only got into, honestly, I believe, because people prayed that we would get a spot. Yeah, especially after the story you're about to hear, I'm not entirely sure how else we got in there. We learned that if you are not like us, which we joined the wait list and then got lucky, or God was nice to us, Well, instead, you get to enroll. And on enrollment day, you have to be in your spot in line and then hope that there is a space in the respective class that matches your child's age. Now, the enrollment time starts at 730, I believe, is what we found out. But that is not when people start lining up for enrollment. In fact, we learned that last year someone slept in their car. So we... Finally did some research and we're told that 4 a.m. was indeed a safe time to arrive at the preschool in order to hopefully secure a spot in the preschool. Now, those of you who are not in Southern California are not fully going to appreciate this fact, but last night was the coldest night of the year so far here 
in Claremont, it got down to almost 32 degrees. Almost. And it was cold. And so my next right thing was to help my friend get a spot in preschool because it's a way to live the one another's. And I am a relatively early riser. So I got up at 340 this morning. I made my coffee. I got my winter coat that has been in storage ever since we moved from Illinois. And I sat in that preschool line, y'all. I got there at 415. I was 12th. (laughs) The person at the front of the line had gotten there at 230. And me and my winter coat sat there until my friend was able to get there because she needed to have someone who could be with her daughter because she can't wait in the freezing morning. It was almost literally freezing. Almost literally. Not because it was 34, but almost, you guys. And yes, she did get a spot in her preschool class. (laughs) But the point was, sitting in that line this morning was a way for me to do the next right thing of living the one another's and just trying to show love in our church community in a concrete way, even though it was utterly ridiculous. All right. So do the next right thing is our third one on the engagement side. But now let's talk about rest. What are our three practices for rest? When we were live, I shared with the group how personally the practice of Sabbath has been one of the most consistent and transformative spiritual practices. We've been doing it relatively regularly for over a decade. And having a predictable time when I am going to stop and rest has meant a lot for me as someone who tends to fall into the trap of believing that I'm valuable for what I produce. And so if you think a Sabbath might be a helpful practice, I would suggest thinking through a few things. Like, what would you like to do that would feel restorative, restful, or playful? What would have to get done first if you were really going to feel like you could rest? And what could wait and you would remind yourself that you aren't what you produce and you don't have to earn Sabbath after having accomplished enough? Also, when could Sabbath happen and could you put it on your calendar in ink? especially if you don't think about it as a whole day even to start. Maybe you just take 30 minutes and you intentionally stop to rest and enjoy God. So the practice of Sabbath, I think, would be a wonderful idea if you're looking for more rest in your world. The second idea is similar to it, but a little bit more specific, and that is to have a tech fast. Now, this could mean putting down your phone for a whole day. It could mean turning off your Twitter notifications for a whole day or for some stretch of time. I personally am on a permanent fast from social media. It might mean that every night you tuck your devices away and leave them there till morning. It might mean that you do leave all of your social media practices for some stretch of time. I know recently I went ahead and activated the time limit feature for Instagram and capped it at 15 minutes a day. And then I get this little instant push notification when that time is up. And it's caused me to limit my usage in some really good ways. So it could look like all sorts of things. But I think many of us know that while technology can be a wonderful thing, it can also be a really challenging element in our world that taking a break would provide some much needed rest where we could remember who we are in the love of God. All right. And the third practice on the rest side is kind of a companion practice to one of our engagement ones. And it is to enjoy beauty. 
So we talked about creating beauty before, and this is enjoying beauty. When we were together, Dan Greaves talked about gardening as a practice that he has engaged with uh, over the years that helps to create the, the flourishing of all creation. And Dan has a really beautiful yard, you guys, with just absolutely lovely flowers. And one of the things that he pointed out was the way that gardening kind of has a built-in rhythm of engagement and rest because you do a lot of really hard work. And then you have something beautiful that you can sit back and enjoy and you can sip coffee or something out on the patio looking at all the flowers and enjoying them. And so these might go together, but you don't they don't have to. You can also have a separate one of enjoying beauty, which is to say you can go somewhere beautiful, whether that is art or nature or some other beautiful space. It might be listening to something beautiful or eating something beautiful. Gary Moon is the director of a spiritual formation center at Westmont College. I remember him saying once years back how drinking a cup of coffee can be a spiritual practice. Generally speaking, we don't scarf our coffee. It would scald our throats. We sip it. And it's warm, which reminds us of the warmth of the love of God. And it's sensory, the way it smells and feels in our hands. And it can remind us of being the beloved creation of God if we let it. That's a variation of enjoying beauty. So you know for yourself what sorts of beauty you tend to respond to the most. And so this practice is pretty simple. Seek those out and then enjoy them. So we'll leave it there for now with those six ideas. And we have said along the way that now the point is not for you to go and do all six. Quite the contrary. The point would be for these six ideas to spark in you an interest in experimenting with one, something you want to try out in the days ahead. And it could be one on the engagement side or on the rest side or both. Um, that's one thing for you to decide on in this season is, is your rhythm such that you need more rest or more intentional engagement or both? But pick one practice that fits with that rhythm wherever it is in this season and then try it out and see what happens. Ultimately, we hope our rhythm of life includes these rhythms of engagement and rest and that these practices will help us to live joyfully and sustainably as we follow Jesus into the world. So that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.